1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Welcome to the DFO
1: Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravali and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com,
2: delivered by DoorDash.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, alongside uh, Frank
2: Saravali. Frankie, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I, I need a word of advice on two fronts. Okay. Oof, Number one, advice. Christmas gift for the wife. It's already that time of year, and this is not a product plug or anything like that. But my wife asked me for a treadmill for Christmas. And I'm a little leery of making that type of purchase because I feel like it's like giving your wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. What kind of message are you sending here? No, see, I think that's very different than a vacuum. First of all, I'd be surprised if
1: uh, uh, how many women would ask for a vacuum for Christmas. They probably would just go buy it themselves because a vacuum is very specific. Um, Now I use the vacuum too in my house So I want to generalize here And say that it's only women who vacuum But I would suggest that that's a very different gift If she asked for a treadmill My advice is listen That's what she wants right? And a treadmill is You know what, it's going to allow her to run She's going to feel better about herself She's going to be exercising And uh, it it is something Frank That you could use if you wanted I don't know if you're a runner or not But uh, the big key though is nowadays about treadmills because we got one for my mom and like when i think treadmills i think of those massive bulky ones you can get like the the it's a little bit more expensive but you can get those smaller treadmills that you're not going to have to break your back trying to move because that's the
2: problem those things are heavy as you know what yeah that's not really what i'm looking for I, I don't even yeah anyway long story i don't know where to put it but we'll figure it out i guess that you know you're right listen she's asking so yeah that's what make, she wants. Make her dreams come true. That's my. There job. you go. So good for her. Get on a treadmill. I love it. Okay, and the second thing is a – it's more of a minor hockey venting session. Oh, yes. So we both coach 8U hockey, right? And we do it in two different countries, and things are different. I don't know exactly the level of competitive play you coach with your son, but for us here, we're a very – not competitive level like it's we're eight you travel we're a b team there's a there's b and c so we purposely picked our teams we could have done like one you know super strong a team and instead we divided the teams pretty equally because we wanted a b team we have some younger kids that are seven and eight and it's a nice mix and we have a great team great group of kids great parents And so when I say this, we're not superstars in our league by any stretch of the imagination. But a couple weeks ago, we had a game two and a half hours away, which is far. And we won by, I'm not exaggerating this, and it's a game we don't even keep score, but you know. That's the thing about our league at eight and under in all of USA Hockey, you don't keep score. Yeah. We won by literally 30 goals. The other team did not have a shot on net. They did not even skate in our zone. Like, there were no blade marks at the end of the game in our end. Like, the ice was not carved up. It did. It wasn't touched. And we were, ch- you know, chit-chatting with the other coach because it's 8 and U. We actually share a bench. So the other coach was a woman, and she said, yeah, you know, we're probably closer to, like, learn to play in-house instead of 8 U travel. And I was like, oh, you know, like, sometimes those things happen. Like, you never know. Like... That's tough, tough spot to be in. Well, it turns out we looked at our schedule. We're supposed to play them again on Saturday, the same team. And we have to drive another two and a half hours each way. No, all of our parents came to me and the other coach and they said, we're not going like no offense to them, but like, it's not good for our kids. It's not good for them. This makes zero sense. So we let the people at the team and the league know, and I won't say which team and which league because there's no need to embarrass anyone, but they said, if you don't go on Saturday, it's a $1,000 fine. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Honestly, well, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually angry now. Oh, and it's not because of a thousand bucks, but it's it's yeah. just because of what what message are we sending? They said, Well, you made a commitment to play travel hockey. He said, We have no issue playing travel hockey if it was we don't even win all of our games. That's how I know we're not like the bully in this league. We win some, we lose some, like it's we're totally slotted in the right division, the right league, everything. That's not, this is not a blood oath though. This is a youth sport and no one wants to spend four and a half hours in the car or five hours in the car on Saturday to play a 50 minute game in which we win by 30.
1: Am I crazy? No, not at all. Um, so now you're playing half ice too, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, cause see our age groups here, but my son, we're U11. So we have nine and 10 year olds. And we're actually full ice, but I played half ice last year. And we played. We did. We opted not to play. We just played St. Albert teams, and so there was five, the same four teams play each other all the time. It was even. But I was actually just in a tournament. We put our team in their first travel tournament. It was two and a half hours away, and uh, our first game. We're not. We're we're probably like a tier three team in at ours. Um, we could probably be tier two, but we're tier three, which is fine. And we played a tier one team. There probably could have been like an elite double A, and they spanked us like fourteen nothing. Now at least we had some shots on goal and stuff, but we didn't score. And Mike, my, my players were just rattled, right? But actually, it made us better when because we um, um, our team figured out because our guys didn't like to pass the puck, and they watched the other team pass around on like pylons, and they figured it out. But what I have played that team again. Not a chance because I don't think it's fun for them. It's not fun for you. So here's here would be my suggestion, Frank. I would talk to the parents and say, hey, we don't want to be fined a thousand bucks. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring five players. We're going to bring one goalie and four skaters and we can vote on who wants to come. And away you go and you go there and you play because
2: not everybody has to drive there because it's not fun for everyone. And then you, you were avoid not the fun. I'm not, no, I'm not avoiding the font. That's, that's, that's crap is what I'm yeah. saying. We're, yeah. we're just drawing a line in the sand saying, do whatever it is that you see fit, but we're not coming. Like, why it got the to the point where after the set, you know, we played two 25 minute running clock halves at, at the, at the break in the middle of the game, every single player on our team needed to touch the puck, passing it around in a box or a diamond before we could shoot. And we still, they still never even got to our end. Yeah, well, to me- Why is that beneficial for them to get their heads pounded in again? Why is it beneficial for us to go? And and why are we saying that this is a thousand dollar fine? This is insane.
1: The coach on their team should be the one here having a a sense of um, non-lunacy and being like our team, we need to move down. This is not fun. Why is this fun for the kids? Because this, to me, this comes across as a bunch of adults whose ego needs to be stroked. They can tell everybody that they're a travel team.
2: It's it is wacky, and I just I can't wrap my brain around it. Yeah. I cannot. Like, that's amazing. You guys play drive two and a half hours. I think
1: the farthest game that we play is maybe thirty minutes away. This is also the farthest outpost in the league for us. No. So well, why it, it, wouldn't the league,
2: why wouldn't the league every team in the league who's played them should be feeling the same? Like if most of your other, I, are I do not, I don't understand. I agree with you. And it should just be like, Hey, they clearly got the assignment wrong in terms of dividing this up and Hey, no problem. We'll make the change. Like that's really what the answer should be instead of, well, there's a thousand dollar fine. Because in our league, we play six games, everybody, and then they
1: re-tier to make sure that everybody's in the right tier. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry for the distraction. I just wanted to vent because it, it – No, I get it, buddy. It minor actually, hockey. It's, that's good. I thought you were going to have – I thought you were going to say the coach was going to freak out on you because your kids were trying. That's that's where I would have been like – Well, she nah. kind of –
2: like she was like, well, you know, like we're getting pounded here. Like, you know, what, what? – uh, like we already instituted every single player needs to touch the like i don't know what else i can do do you want our goalie to leave the net like even then you're not getting the puck to the other i honestly i, I felt bad yeah and well, you know, our kids are seven and eight like they all, some of them also don't know any better and so like a couple goals like they're celebrating i'm like guys like like please but you know what frank tone it down yeah, it's funny you say that because I'm like, hey,
1: kids got to be able to celebrate. And, and, and the great part about it is the kids will forget that loss very quickly because my team did. Um, I will say, though, I, I applaud you because the other team, when we were losing like 15 nothing, they had kids goal sucking and their coach was high-fiving them. And I'm just like, dude, like that's, yeah, that's the one thing I would be like, as a coach, this is a What do you a think this is, the brick? Like, come on, move, move yeah, on For your team to pass better. But they didn't, they would just goal suck, which I thought was, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to cover them. I'm just going to keep attacking. I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. and I told our kids, I said, guys, we don't worry. If guys want to cherry pick, that's not how you play. Yeah. Good for you. No. So right now the New Jersey devils must feel like your team, Frank, they just beat everybody. The devils have won 11 in a row that is tied for second longest winning streak in franchise history. That's the 18th long tied for the 18th longest uh, winning streak in NHL history. And they just continue to find ways to win. The one thing about the devils that I've found in the games that I've watched and seen for them, they do a great job of kind of waiting for the other team. Toronto gifted them two goals last night. And that was really the difference in the game.
2: Yeah, it was Toronto showed some fight obviously in, uh, in pushing back, but the devils are just on an absolute heater right now. And I read an amazing stat. Um, I think maybe two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about the standings and where the devils were at with their decent start. And I said, the devils are a stone cold mortal lock to make the playoffs. And now they have a little bit of history on their side in terms of that. Um, Not that anyone is doubting at this point with their lead in the Metro that the devils are actually going to make the playoffs, but 60 teams previously in NHL history have had a 10-game winning streak in the regular season. 58 of those 60 went on to make the playoffs in that season. So a 97% chance a 10-game winning streak gets you in. I'm pretty sure I know the two teams that didn't. Buffalo recently and Philadelphia.
1: I think they both happened in like 17 and 19, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Flyers
2: ended up making it that year. If I'm not mistaken, but I don't remember.
1: Yeah, we'll look it up. I think I'm pretty sure the year the Flyers had won 10, um, they lost. Because <clears throat> I, well, the Sa- I know the Sabres for sure did. The Flyers in 2017, Frank? Like 2016, 17. See if they made the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but I don't have it uh, in front of me. But I'm still, sure. the stat is amazing nonetheless like oh, 97%. Yeah. And it, I mean it makes sense when you think about it. Like yeah, no Flyers
1: lost they missed. I looked it up. They missed. So yeah, okay. them in Buffalo. I remember the Buffalo one because that we were like, oh, Buffalo's finally good again. <laughs> and nope. How'd that work they, out? Uh, they
2: crushed it. They uh and that was early in the season for the fly for the Sabres. And well, look at the Sabres now, too. They had a streak to start this year and were really good. And now they're going this is though this is a very odd season with the number of streaks like let's let's throw a few of them at you the bruins have won 10 in a row at home to start the st louis blues started with a three game winning streak then lost eight in a row and have now won five in a row so they are now an even eight and eight yeah the buffalo sabers have lost seven consecutively in regulation the Bruins have won five outside of their winning streak uh they're at home, and like the Calgary Flames had a seven game
1: losing streak,
2: streak. yeah uh, it's it's been a bananas we're going streaking it's been a bananas season in terms of that
1: Wow, now you look at like the the New Jersey Devils um, a lot of people pegged them to be improved i don't think anybody pegged them to including their own fans um to be uh, to be this good especially they're 14 and 3 frank they started the season 0 and 2 right they're 14 and 1 in their last 15 games like it's it's pretty remarkable how how well they have played this season and you know you you just it is uh it's funny to me when, when i see the amount of of like Boston dominating for stretches New Jersey uh, you know you looked at St. Louis as being the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the league for sure and I now I will you know I, I, it's funny the teams that are losing like St. Louis they were pretty calm uh during their losing streak right like were they you know, you, I don't I do not agree Although, like, Ryan O'Reilly was very honest. I meant their management. Like, he didn't hear anything. Their management like
2: were... was not – I don't think they were calm because he came out, Doug Armstrong, and absolutely flogged them.
1: Yeah, the players. But management, usually it's your your coach or your GM, right, who you hear the whispers that are going to get it. He's like, the coach isn't going anywhere, right? So I actually respected that. He basically said, players, you got to play better,
2: and he was right. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he wasn't making calls trying to make something happen. I think he absolutely was. No. And in some cases, the best moves you make are the ones you don't. I'm but, still curious what they do, though, with their pending free agents. Oh, I mean, Tarasenko is not coming back. We know
1: that. Yeah, but, but do you trade him or you just let him walk, right? Like, if you're in a playoff... I think off, it depends
2: walk. on where you are. And, and you know what? I think Doug Armstrong has given us his playbook in the past. Remember a few yeah, years Stashny. back? It, it was Stashney, That was one. And another one was Shattenkirk. They were hanging around the mix... And they traded him to Washington. And I think he, Stastny was the one where people were upset, saying, like, I can't believe you'd cut our legs off. But he has a real good sense of, like, even if this team gets in, what are our honest expectations? We're better off taking the assets. And I really like that about his courage of conviction. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Um,
1: What about we have that? We've talked a lot. I like it on pause of Friday about the the teams that are doing well. But, you know, you you get into some teams now that, you know, you're you're nearing almost the, you know, the 20 game mark. Right. We're at 25 percent of the season. And and you've got some teams like, you know, that are expected to be better and that are just hovering around the 500 mark. You know, the Blues would be one. The Edmonton Oilers uh, would be another one. The The Florida Panthers. The, the Minnesota Wild
2: are under 500. The, uh, the Flames, like it's... So what's was- one of all of those? Pittsburgh is 7-7-3. Seven, seven, the Rangers with increased expectations after the Final Four are 8-6-4. You mentioned the Panthers. Um, Nashville, 8-8-1. Eight, eight, Edmonton and Calgary. Of all those teams, who are you the most concerned for? I would say
1: Minnesota. I think their division is tough. And, you know, the, to me, Minnesota, we're, we're seeing the ramifications of dead cap space. I, I think that is, that is really hurting them part of it now. And also the injury the other day, Frank of Mark andre Fleury. Now who knows how long it's going to be, but it's, I, it's, I think it's Minnesota. short,
2: very short term. Yeah. I'm going to say Minnesota. Okay. Well, out of that whole group, I'm going to say Nashville. But in terms of true teams with, like, contender expectations, I am going to say Pittsburgh. We've talked a lot about Pittsburgh in the last few weeks and how interesting this season was for so many reasons after the summer that they had. But when I look at Pittsburgh... It they're, it's a really good reminder that they're a team still driven by their stars. And yeah. you think back to their first handful of games and Sidney Crosby had like 12 points in five games and they looked like world beaters. He still has 17 and 21. 21 and 17, I should say. And I got to tell you, watching their game the other night, he looked off and not injured. He just looked like, disinterested and that to me was the most alarming thing that i've seen like it's like e like that's i get that it's november and it's hard to maybe get juiced up for all 82 but that is not very sid like
1: Hmm. i didn't see that game so i can't comment on him specifically but yeah that would that would be a concern you know the penguins Like we talked about the blues earlier, Frank, and the blues were able to transition their team where, you know, their star guys were also some young guys. And when you look at Pittsburgh, they, you know, outside of Jake Gensel, who's been there though, when they won cups. So he's not even really young. They haven't brought up anybody right internally. who How could they? They never had any picks. Yeah. But who's allowed to take kind of some of the pressure off of Crosby and Malkin. And and I think to me, that's the, uh, you know, that's the concern for if if I was, if I was a Penguins fan, I would look and say like, like, who, who are the guys that are going to come up here and, and and help our team moving forward? Like everybody knew eventually that the the Penguins are going to have to pay the, uh, the Piper when it comes to, um, you know, not having, having draft picks. They've traded away a lot of their picks. I get that. But um, you know, they just haven't had, you know, like Samuel Poulin. Right, a first round pick hasn't done anything. Uh, you know, Kalen Anderson, they had him and they traded him, and so you know, uh, I just that to me is the concern for the Penguins is they're an older team without any young guys like Daniel Sprong's out of the organization now. Mm-hmm. That just they don't have any young guys who you feel that you know, given an opportunity, you know, they could eat some minutes and take some offensive pressure off their stars.
2: All right, let me read you the Pittsburgh Penguins' first draft position over the last number of years, starting in 2015. So this is going back seven years. Yeah. 46th, 55th, 51st, 53rd, 21st, 52nd, 58th, 21st. Divided by eight, their average first pick in the draft was the 45th spot in the draft. How could yeah. you possibly expect anyone to come up at any point in that seven-year span and take some pressure off of Sidney Crosby or their stars? Okay, but Samuel wasn't Ky- Polan in 2019, their their only first-round pick in that seven years before Owen Pickering this year has played a grand total of three NHL games. And guess what? They've hit on exactly none of their late picks. No, none of them. No th- no second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round gems. No diamonds in the rough. Th- that's it. The best pick they made was Kalen Addison, and as you mentioned, he went to the Minnesota Wild in the trade for Jason Zucker. Right? But look at the Blues, guys. Barbashev, second round pick,
1: 60 points. Mm-hmm. Kairu, second round pick, 70 plus points. Right? Vince Dunn, who they lost, but still Vince Dunn, second round pick. Right. And that's all since like 2015. Like to me, the Penguins, a you're right, they haven't had top picks, but they haven't drafted very well either.
2: And that's what's crushing. That's the point. Yeah. Right. Is that it's it's not it's it's position. Yes. But you still need to do your job as a scouting staff and as a management team to find players. That's your that's your Super Bowl now is finding gems. Yeah. And why is I it have. that other teams are able to do it and do it on a way more consistent basis? Like, yeah. how do you go 0 for basically what you're looking at over seven years is like you're like 0 for 50 or 0 for 45? It's hard to yeah. do. That's really hard. Right. Now, I do want to say one
1: thing about the Penguins because last night, some people might not know this stat. Frank, you know me, I love looking up stats. Um, and I've been sitting on this one for a while. So last night, if Jenny right. Malkin gets another point. He now has 1,164 points in his career. He's played 998 games. Of all players in NHL history, he, is, he has the 17th most points, and he has two games left, but he's not going to move up, amongst players through their first 1,000 games played. Now, guys, that includes Lemieux because he obviously only played 915, right? This is a guy who's one of the most productive players the game's ever seen. Right, First 1,000 games of his career, 17th most points. He just passed Brett Hall last night because Brett Hall had 1163 in 1,000 games. He's up to 1164. I just want to say I I thought at the time it was a joke. It's still the biggest joke of the last decade that if Jenny Malkin wasn't in the top 100 players of all time. I just want to say that for Penguins fans. I thought at the time it was a travesty, and it's becoming more and more. Um, for him you know I don't know how many years left uh, Malkin has and we, we know unfortunately that he misses 20 games a year which is unfortunate right now it's but way more than that he is one of the elite guys we've ever seen in any era of being productive and uh, I know he plays with Sid and so maybe that gets him a little bit less love but uh, Jenny Malkin 17th most points of the first 1000 games of their career it's the
2: games missed that you lose the impact you really do. Like he he's gone from the lineup, and the odd part about it is for the Penguins, for years, they had stretches where they actually seemed like a better team without him, because they played better and were they won more. I'd love to go back and actually look up the numbers. Like just look at his games played year over year over year. Last year, forty one out of eighty two, the previous year thirty three out of fifty six, the previous year fifty five out of seventy. 68 out of 82, 78 out of 82, 62 out of 82, 57 out of 82, 69, 60, 31. Like, it's not even that he's missing 10 yeah, games. 31 out of 40 He's days. missing 20, 30 games a season.
1: Yeah, which to me, I agree. That, that's why I said the injuries suck for him. And, but the fact that he still is able to get injured, come back and not have rust every time and be that productive is impressive. It is. And yeah. he's a first ballot, sure fire hall. Oh, 100%, right? And I just think amongst top 100 players of all time, I think it's a glaring omission that he didn't make that list, a glaring omission. So, What
2: year was that, 2017 that they did that? Yeah, five, six. It was three. also on the heels of him winning a second cup. And he yeah. had a con Smythe, and he had a Calder Trophy, and he had an Art Ross, two mm-hmm. Art Rosses, and a no. Hart. Like, no, like, like, what, are they, what were they thinking?
1: Well, let's be real. That was the North American bias because they had Jonathan Taves ahead of him.
2: I'm like, sorry. Well, Taves had three cups by then. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're right. It's, that's, that is pure Canadian bias.
1: Yeah. North American, because I think there's some American guys on there too. But yes, 100%. Um, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uramchuk to the uh, program, who has uh, set us up on a new video streaming thing today. Ty, how you doing?
0: Oh, geez. I was pretty dark there for a second. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, actually do my job as a producer. It's a bit of an adjustment for me, Um, but, you know, trying to bring a little bit more to the table than just mediocre buy or sell questions every week. Uh, But let's get into it. Courtesy of our friends at DoorDash, where you can get 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you use the promo code GAMEDAY25. Ding dong. You guys spent some. It's been like a year and a half, and that still makes you guys chuckle. It's I laugh great. every time, every single time. Uh, all right, you guys are talking about the St. Louis Blues and and what a streaky season it's been for them. I'm gonna say they find a way to get into the playoffs. Frank, you buying or selling?
2: I'm buying. I, I've I said that team was a playoff team from the very beginning. Um, I think they were even rattled with how poor their eight game stretch was. And, and I don't think anyone really saw it coming, but I still think as the central sorts itself out here that they're in the fifth spot right now that they could hang on. The question is how many seats is the Pacific going to grab in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I had the Blues at the start of the year, so I'll stick with it. I was actually, when when they were going through their eight-game losing streak, I was like, jeez, how was I this wrong on this team? Um, so I w- I'm happy to see that the uh, the Blues, on a selfish note, have uh, recovered. And, you know, they had 920 goal scores last year, guys. Like, for, for them to just to lose eight in a row is really strange uh, to me. So, uh, yeah, I think the Blues, uh, I'll punch their ticket for sure. Uh, to make the playoffs. I I think there's still a a very... Like, they're going to battle Winnipeg for second and third. Fair enough.
0: Jacob Chikrin is uh, getting close to making his return to the lineup for the Arizona Coyotes here. I'm going to say that sparks the trade interest once again. He'll be moved by the new year. Buy or sell, Jay?
1: Well, we were just talking about injuries, Frank, and uh, Chikrin makes Malkin look like an Ironman. Um, So I will... I Yeah, he wants out. I, I think Arizona would like to move him out, and I think that there's might be a dose of reality here from uh, Arizona in knowing that teams aren't going to pay you that much for a player who, outside of one season in the other six years, has missed 40% of the games combined. So, yeah, uh, I, uh, I think they'll want to move him quickly, though, so I say he is traded
2: before January 1st. Bye. I will buy as well. Um, it's going to be interesting. Makes his debut on Monday. And aside from the pure health factor, like teams are really, like they don't know what he is still. Because that one season was such a statistical outlier. And because he was so good that one year. And I, I mentioned this elsewhere. There's such an infatuation with his contract that it's like, we totally view players based on the prism of their deal, which makes sense because it's a salary cap world and every dollar counts. But I, I think there's in some ways like some fawning and, and drooling over Chikrin just based on the contract two more years at four, six. And so one of two things is going to happen. Either, Jacob Chickering is going to come back and absolutely light it up, and someone's going to pull the trigger and pay Arizona's price. Or Chickering is going to come back, he's going to play okay, and the Coyotes are going to have to either lessen their price, like, you know, go walk it back, or they're going to have to wait and hold out until March 3rd to, to really see if someone steps up.
0: One team that's been uh, kind of linked to them a few times over the last few months is the Ottawa Senators. They currently sit in the basement of the Atlantic division. I'm going to go ahead and say they do not finish the year there, though. We were talking about streaky teams. They're one of those teams. They started off maybe okay and then kind of fell off a cliff a little. Senators will not come last in the Atlantic. Jason, you buying or selling?
1: Hmm. Well, it, it looks like they're going to battle Montreal and Buffalo. Um, so which team is going to sell off the most and weaken themselves? Um, I will say that Ottawa won't because I think Montreal is going to uh, clear the deck as much as they can. and uh, they have a lot they have more expiring contracts. So I will say I will buy. they do not finish in the basement in their division.
2: I will buy as well, but I think Buffalo does like Montreal just has like a little too much going on in terms of energy and Cole Caulfield has been really good. And Marty St. Louis has that team revved up. Montreal has gotten some amazing goaltending that we have not really talked that much about because the numbers aren't eye popping, but their goaltending has been really good. And I think if it holds up, then they will not finish last in their division. Buffalo, on the other hand, has not gotten the goaltending.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move along to our PointsBet Canada bonus question. They got some great bonuses up on their site, so check them out. PointsBet.ca. Top three on the odds board to win the Stanley Cup. You know what? I'm going to have you guys guess it. That's going to be uh, that's going to be what we're doing today. I was going to have you ask you to name your own. Who are your top three cup contenders? But who do you think the sportsbooks have as one, two, and three in order on the odds board? Frank.
2: Colorado, Vegas – well, I don't know the order, but I'll say the three are Colorado, Vegas, and Boston. Jay, who do you think they are?
1: Um, I would still have Colorado one. Um, Vegas two. And I'm going to – Odds board still doesn't, uh, they don't get too crazy for heaters. So I'm going to go outside and say Tampa Bay still in.
0: Interesting. It is actually Boston at number three, and you guys nailed it with Colorado and Vegas. Colorado plus 450. They're kind of miles ahead as the Stanley Cup leaders. Vegas second plus 750. Then you get Boston. At yes! Three it's for three. Frank nailed it. Uh, Carolina's plus 900. Then it goes Toronto and Calgary at 12 to one. Florida and Tampa at 14 to one. That Tampa spot is. Is interesting. Feels like they they've been getting overlooked the last couple of years, just uh, just a little bit. But anyways, that's a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell, delivered by DoorDash. Ding dong.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than
2: you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hmm.
1: Tampa Bay has better odds has better odds financially than Calgary at this point. I'd take that all day. All day. Hmm. What do you make of the flames? Uh, Well, I I think they'll they'll find themselves, but their issues are kind of what I thought they would be that their offense is isn't isn't consistent enough. Because like if we're being honest here, they had four guys, Frank, who had career years last year right now. I know two of them aren't there anymore. And even if you replace, you know, Hubert over Kachuk straight up.
2: And
0: he Kadri also had a, had
1: a career year. Yeah, and and Kadri. So I guess you can argue that they've still got four guys who had career years last year. You're just – the odds of having all four of them be the same is highly unlikely. It's just – let's be real
2: about it. So, um, Kachuk like, also but, had a career year last year too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Kachuk, could – But that's why there, there was risk in that trade for everyone because I think Weger had a career year – Yeah, I'm not. I was talking more of the forwards. Like, no, I know, but I'm thinking like when you look at it, like that was even Goudreau staying or going. I I know the Flames were talking and saying to themselves, well, is he definitely going to do next year what he did last year? Is are all are any of these guys going to do it? And that's that's the risk, right? Oh, 100%. Right. I think, and
1: then when you switch up guys, because Kachuk, Goudreau, and Lindholm had some. You know, they had like some freakish sedine like chemistry going on last year, right? And so now that's automatically gone. Hubertot and Kadri come in, and it's rare that guys have instant chemistry, right? Like even Lindholm, Kachuk, and Goudreau had been teammates for how many years? They'd never exploded like that. So um, I thought Calgary was going to come back uh, offensively, and there wasn't a whole bunch of room for them to actually improve defensively in the regular season. Right. Like they were 2.06 was their goals against as a team. Like I'm not sure you're going to get much better than that. So I thought Calgary was due for a little bit of a coming down only because I thought it was going to be tough to get that much offense from four guys specifically, like, like four guys who were basically, you know, 160 goals. Right. Because you had 40, 40, 42 and 35. Right. So what's that? 157. Like it's, that's just hard to, to manufacture, the next year, whether it's injuries or not. And, you know, I'd outlined the start of the year, the flames defense had six guys play 73 games. That wasn't going to happen again. So I'm not surprised that Calgary is off to a little bit of a slower start. I still think that they should be a playoff team, right? But they're, they're going to, they're not going to be as dominant as they were last year. I didn't think so from the start of the year.
2: Well, I think a couple things, I, I think we saw that part of it potentially coming, but a couple things that have surprised me have been, Markstrom has struggled a bit and they're definitely not defending as well as they did last year. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think. And, and part of that, I wonder Frank,
1: they're not in the offensive zone as much. So it's forcing them to defend more.
2: Mm, That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Like that's, you You talk, I talk to a lot of defensemen sometimes, and it's so much easier to defend when you don't have to defend that often. Right. And you're a team that can possess offensively and like Calgary's first line last year, like they, like they destroy teams five on five, mm-hmm. right? Like destroy teams to, to a level that we hadn't seen in a long, long time. It wasn't just off. It was their offensive. They were so good production-wise, but also possession-wise,
2: that they just didn't give up very much. So I want to ask you a question about the Sharks. You watch them very closely. And there was a lot of talk this week about Eric Carlson. I was there for the conversation that reporters had with Mike Greer in Toronto after the GM meetings on Tuesday. And it was, I was kind of like chuckling to myself Mm -hmm. and, and not knocking any other reporter, but it was kind of like, news but not really news that the sharks would listen on eric carlson like why would mike greer be slamming the phone down when anyone's calling him about anything let alone taking a an 11 and a half million dollar player off your hands so i you know news not news and i still think there's a long way to go to to actually moving carlson because i think the part about it that people don't consider is and i was actually having this conversation with a gm um yesterday and i'm actually i'm just looking for the convo because i want to make sure i I get the point across clearly um it's interesting to think about with carlson because not only would you have to have the sharks retain and like everyone's saying well what's that comfortable number to get carlson to in order for them to get return the thing is, you'd also have to then take away from the rest of your team because so many teams are at the, at the cap limit. You'd have to move that amount of money off your books. There's so few teams that could just take even seven and a half. So how do you subtract from your team unless San Jose is going to eat a contract back that you didn't want? Um, You need someone highly motivated to do it, to offset that money, and then have the budget space moving forward and calculate properly what that cap hit's going to look like as Carlson continues to age. So it's not easy, but that's actually not the player I wanted to ask you about, and you can chime in on Carlson too. But I wanted to ask you about Timo Meyer because I think he's the way more interesting trade chip, and what do the Sharks get for him?
1: Well, I want to start with Carlson first. Um, I'm not surprised he's off to a good start, Frank. Um, if, if anybody watched the last 30 games last year when Carlson was he's starting to unreal. Like, like, he was so good last year. And he came to camp this year, and like two days into camp, shark guys are like, he's on a different level. And look at like he had four points last night. He was in on all four of their goals last night in the loss. He's now tied with Leon Dreisidel for second in the NHL score. He's got twenty-eight points. Like, you know, people were talking about Cale is going to be one of the, you know, he's going to put up 100 points as a defenseman. Eric Carlson is the guy right now who's blowing people out of the water. He is healthy. The other thing is he loves being the alpha dog as far as, you know what, uh, him and Brent Burns, they got along great, but there was two right shot defensemen. There was Sharon
2: time. They were on the power play. Nothing was working. For, they for both, both love having the puck on their stick. Their yes. games were way too similar for both there wasn't enough oxygen for both of them to survive.
1: Yeah, and and they both play well. Like you would think that it would it would help, but like say, okay, well, and we've seen guys like Niedemeyer and Pronger did it, right? And they won a Stanley Cup together. They also had lots of other good players, but you know, it that it never really worked. But Carlson was never really healthy. Like the amount of stuff that he would have to do between games the last few years just to remain, you know, I'd like he's, lots of tissue issues and stuff that just took a lot of time to recover. And I think, Frank, we probably underestimated how good Carlson in his prime when he was health, healthy before the first Achilles injury. Right. Like Eric Carlson was just he was so dynamic of a defenseman that uh, you know, you, you kind of maybe take it for granted uh, a little bit, and maybe it's because he was playing in Ottawa, and so he wasn't getting a, a ton of, uh, of exposure. But that was in the time where the league's more offensive now, too, so that helps. There's more opportunities for guys. But, like, look at Carlson. So he's an 11.5 cap. It. It's obviously way too high. But what if he's at 8.5? Like, look at the other defensemen like, um, that are around there and look at their production. Right, and then look at how many years left they have in their contract. From guys like Darnell Nurse, Dougie Hamilton, Miro um, Heiskanen, Oliver ekman Larson, you know Thomas Chabot, go down the list. Jacob Truba's an eight million dollar. John Carlson's an eight million dollar. So there's 16 other guys in the league who are an eight mil or more cap hit. Carlson, I know 11.5. We can all say, yeah, that's too high. Age everything else. If I'm San Jose, I don't know if I'm eating more than 3.5. And if I was an NHL team to get a right shot defenseman, my only risk is potentially does he get hurt again, but anybody can get hurt at any time. And that would be my only risk for that because I think Carlson healthy. There's very few defensemen like him in the NHL.
2: I totally agree, but what are you, so you got to take the eight and a half. What are you giving to get him? Well, I, there's a few things
1: here at play. I think, you know, San Jose is going to want young prospects, Frank. Like, they don't have any, right? Okay. So they're, they're going to you're going to have to give up more. Like, Brent Burns, like, they got Lorenz, right? They didn't get really much else. I think San Jose They basically have... just
2: got off the cap and still took 34% of it.
1: Yeah, and they didn't get anybody. And to me, that wasn't a good trade. Um, I look at Eric Carlson, especially the way he's playing- I think the Sharks, I look at teams, okay, who has an expiring contract that San Jose would just eat because, right? Like, they'll eat it right now because it gets them through the year. But then they're going to want some some young prospects in an organization. So, like, there's teams we know you can count out. The Penguins have nothing to offer. Not that they would be interested, but we we went through their lack of that, right? So, I would take a deep dive on organizations that that have, like Tampa Bay for years, Frank, when they were a dominant top team, they had all these draft picks, and they used lots of them to get different guys, right? And, and it worked. So that's the, I got to do a deep dive on it, but I think there are teams out there. And as a right pair defenseman, Eric Carlson right now is a legit number one. There's zero debate in my mind about that. A legit number one defenseman. He's a right shot defenseman, which makes it even more rare. And even at eight and a half, I I wouldn't blink an eye if I was a team who could acquire him knowing I'd get, I'd probably get rid of one expiring contract and then I'd have to give up three, probably pretty good young pieces. I think it'd be worth it if I'm a team that's, that feels they can take a run. Like I look at Florida
2: and you know, I think think you you are looking at this way too simplistically. I think this is one of the more complex transactions we could ever see in, in hockey history. If it happens, you think, yeah, like, He has four more full years. The contract expires when he is. Yeah, but he's only 32. It expires. Okay, but you you need to take on the whole thing for the rest of it. Like, yeah, eight and a half. half, But that's what I'm saying.
1: If it's eight and a half million dollar defenseman, Frank, that's not. Okay, but what about the
2: full no move, no trade? Like, he doesn't have to go anywhere.
1: Yeah, but he'll accept it to a competitive team. Like, he's not going to go to a bad team.
2: I, I, yeah, I, why would he go to a bad team? Correct. Yeah. But like, what, what if it's a team in a city that he doesn't want to play in?
1: Well, you're right. Hey, you know, San Jose, um, you know, there might only be realistically five or six teams that you want to go to, but w- we've seen other guys get rid of contracts. We thought were untradeable because they weren't good and those guys got moved. So but they've I think never been a- for
2: a contract this expensive,
1: and they've no, never and been a for a player this old. Yeah, but 32 in
2: today's NHL, Frank, like, look it's, at It's that he goes till 37. That's the issue. It's not yeah. the 32 year. No one's complaining about that. But look at elite players today. Look at elite players at 36, 37. But look at elite players that have his kind of injury history. Like it, you're, I don't like, I think you're taking a way too simplistic and recent biased view of how well he's played this season and at the tail end of last season to say that this is a foregone conclusion that he will continue to play this way. Well, the, Hey, like I said, you can never guarantee injuries for anybody, but, but that's the only knock here. And if, if we're, if we're always in the contract be- is not insured, I don't think. So it's not like you'd be getting off the hook if there's an injury, because I don't think you can insure it with the major, major surgery that he had with the Sens.
1: But was it insured originally because he didn't have the no, injuries when he, he first didn't sign? No, he, Oh no, no he hundred percent.
2: He did. He signed in 2019.
1: Yeah, but at that point, Frank, he'd only had the, like, that was the one year, right? Like, he,
2: he got injured in... He got uh, injured in Ottawa and and missed a, a forever amount of time. Came to San Jose, pull, played a full season under the old deal, and then signed a new, a new deal. This deal is, there's no way it's insured. Yeah, but, but look, Frank, so his injury in Ottawa happened in
1: 2012-13, right? He only played 17 games in the lockout season. Then he played 82... 82, 82, 77, and 71. Like he wasn't really, like after his initial surgery, he only had, he only missed. No, like that's five. not the
2: injury that I'm talking about. It's well, that's the one. The, that, well,
1: those are all the games.
2: No, Ottawa, it's not. Right? It's So why did he only play 53 in 2018-19? Yeah, that's
1: the injury. Yeah, but it wasn't in Ottawa is what I'm saying. Right? He got hurt and he missed 30 games in San Jose in 18-19. Right, and his contract- Here's what was, I'm saying,
2: it's not insured, bank on it. I'll bet you okay. anything, it's not
1: insured. Okay, Doesn't matter, but it was all- you can argue about the games all you want. Yeah, but if it's not insured, that's fine. But it was only, that's interesting because he signed that after a season where he, only, where he got one injury, really. Because I would think the previous five years where you combine only miss 15 games, that shouldn't be enough to have a contract uninsurable. Oh yeah, it's, it was that significant of an injury going back to Ottawa. But if you're an NHL owner, Frank, and we see how how the price of teams has gone up significantly, I'll say what I saw. Some of the contracts that teams sign, guys. Eric Carlson. I don't think either one of us is debating. He's a top three defenseman in the NHL.
2: Sure. Top five for sure. So if you get him for eight million, or it's, eight it's half. just. I just just so you know, I look just so there's clarity. I did look up the injury, the one that I'm talking about. It's the torn tendon in his left foot that he underwent surgery for. Uh, he missed the beginning of the 2017-18 season, and that was the surgery. It was so significant that it said. I remember his quotes. They were gross. He said something like. I don't feel like myself, and it felt like I'm, I'm walking around in a leather boot.
1: Yeah, because but you know they, what's funny,
2: Frank. So that year he came back, right? And so he missed the first eleven games. He still. Not, so what I'm saying is, it's not the Achilles injury from 2012, 13 that I'm talking about. Okay. It's the one from 2017, 18 that was before he went to San Jose and San Jose traded for him knowing that he had that issue. And this was part of the issue that everyone was like, why are you signing this guy to this massive eight year, $92 million contract when you're the only team in the league that's gonna pay him that number?
1: No, no, I agree with you. The contract was way too high at the time, but it's funny that Carlson says all those things about him and it feels like I can't skate, yet he comes back and still scores 62 points in 71 games. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so even though he felt like junk, he was still highly productive as
2: a defenseman, right? But he now, went to San Jose and, and was not very good for the first number of years. And that was not all on Brent Burns.
1: No. Well, his production, right? Uh, uh, like in his first year he in fell San off Jose, it a cliff. Well, goal scoring wise, but he had 45
2: points in 53. Like, look games. at 2020, 2021. 20, he had 22 points in yeah, 53. That was games. the year he was terrible. Yeah. So year, to say that what you're saying is, oh, 32, not that old. Like my point in all of that is to say there is zero guarantee that he continues to play at this level. Yeah, He's but- one of the very rare few players in this league that can actually get to that level, which is a huge feather in his cap. And I'm not knocking him. All I'm saying is it's very complicated. This is extremely complicated. But here, here's my, to GMs who are hesitant
1: Look at who they sign as free agents every summer. Guys who never have elite talent and they get 7 and 8 million dollars for 7 years. You're going to you're going to walk away from an elite talent who's who's 4
2: years, not 8, 4 at 8.5, but no to one me, signs those guys to 4-year deals at age 33. They don't. They sign them to those deals at 26.
1: 26, and 27 right? guys, 29, 28, 30, eight year deals. Yeah. Well, JT, 29. Like I just think NHL GMs. Now I get that they're going to play this card, but if I'm Mike Greer, I'm going to look and say, wait a sec, let's go back to the last five years of free agency or teams re-signing their own guys. It's the same thing. And look at their age, 28, 29, eight year deals. Getting seven and a half, eight million dollars, and none of them are as dominant as their position as Carson. Let me saying.
2: go back to my original question What are you getting for him? And the answer I'm telling you is not going to be very much, I don't think. Okay. Well,
1: then that's, hey, that's San Jose's fault. And if a team can, of course, if I'm the team acquiring I want to give up as little as possible. But I'm just saying, I
2: wouldn't turn Recent away. Recent history it. with contracts. I get exactly what you're saying. Look at Alex DeBrinkett. Look at what this is why I brought it up with Timo Meyer. He's due a $10 million qual- qualifying offer. Yeah. What are the Sharks getting for him? These are players in their prime, 10 years younger. Debrink at 24, two time 40 goal scorer. They got a first, second, and third. Yeah. And, now, and a really high first at that in, in in the number seven overall pick from Ottawa. But that show, it shows you how difficult it is to move money. And yeah, but I just think like debrincat,
1: no offense. He's not Eric Carlson. Like I think Eric Carlson is one of the truly elite players in the game
2: okay so so answer my question then, what are you trading to get him?
1: Well, I told you what I would trade. I think you you're, you're going to have to give up a contract, obviously, and San Jose is willing to take that, and it might even be two contracts right They're, They'll probably have to have something that equals up to eight and a half million, right. What is San Jose
2: getting? Like what what in value are they getting aside from I getting get, off the contract we'll get, a, we'll get a first rounder. I think if you're
1: San Jose, you want a prospect who's a recent, you know, high pick. Well, not even high pick, just a recent trending high prospect. They they would probably take two of them at least because San Jose's got nothing. So if, if I'm so San Jose, you think Jose- they can get a
2: first round pick, two prospects, and eat two contracts and three million bucks on Carlson's deal.
1: Well, eating the two contracts is is helping the other team, not San Jose. So you're getting a you're getting a,
2: a first and two really good prospects. that's what I think to give to give up Eric Carlson andy three million dollars on his deal and take two shitbag contracts.
1: Well yeah, what do you th- you don't you think that's too much or that's not enough?
2: i I don't think it's enough. Oh okay. That's what I'm yeah. saying. And the whole thing is what is in it for San Jose. And I don't know that there is enough given how elite he is and all the things that we're talking about, but also the risk. It's a really hard trade. Yeah. Oh, let's, I don't let's, let's, let's wrap with that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't discount that it's hard trade. All I know is if I'm an opposing GM, I want to revisit this in four years when Eric Carlson's in the last year of his deal. I, the only thing that's going to say that Eric Carlson isn't valuable is that if he suffers another injury. But I've been told, Frank, that he is he is fully recovered from the odds of him re-injuring his current the the thing that plagued him the last two years is low, so. But Timo <laughs> Meyer, ten, see the ten million dollar good Let's for save his eight, Timo
2: Meyer for Monday.
1: Okay, I'll say this, Frank. Even if you trade for him. I think a team's gonna trade for him with the opportunity to talk to him first, right? Because he's not gonna get 10 million. No one will qualify him at 10, but he might re-sign for a
2: team for eight or eight and a half, right? Okay, let's talk on Monday about Timo Meyer. Yeah. That's the beauty of the season. It's a long one. <laughs> well, it's gonna be a long season for the Sharks, that's for sure. It could be a long season for me as a coach. <laughs> when is that game by the way it was supposed it's supposed to be saturday i just said tell them we're not coming like it ain't happening i ain't getting i'm not driving four and a half hours for that i'm sorry yeah well to me somebody at the league should have common sense and that
1: team their coach and and parents should be like we should move down what are we doing it's it's not it's, it's lunacy your team isn't travel worthy that's okay
2: there it's, uh, there's nothing wrong. Like I said, we're not superstar competitors. Like we purposely picked a balanced team and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, that's all it should be. So, yeah. and by the way, to all of our
1: listeners in Buffalo, shovel safely in moderation. That is going to be crazy.
2: Frank. I, uh, I don't, uh, I made the joke on Barnburner burner yesterday, but it was like four to six feet of snow. How's Jeff Skinner supposed to get to the game? <laughs> Can't even get out of his house. It's like it's like that scene in Uncle Buck. He's like, you thought the pancakes were big. I couldn't get the French toast through the door.
1: Yeah. Hey man, you for all those youngsters in the Buffalo area, look out for your uh, for your seniors in the in the neighborhood and help them shovel because that's that's shovel.
2: You can't even shovel. How do you shovel four to six feet? You need a goddamn front end loader. You got to go out every hour, literally. Oh my God, no chance. Well, because if you wait till the end, you're screwed.
1: I don't know how they would get out of that. Honestly, like in Edmonton, on average, Frank, I looked it up on
2: average over the winter. You might get maybe a total of four feet over the whole. That's exactly what I that's the point I made was they're getting entire winter's snow for a huge swath of Canada in one weekend. It's mind blowing. When I read that, when I first read it, I was like, that can't be right. Any, I yeah think. anyone doing the math at home like they're talking about the potential of 175 centimeters in one weekend in canada
1: no it's it's ridiculous ridiculous so mm. yikes like you just Definitely. 60 70 inches of snow get out of here so it was like one a, of my favorite
2: things going to buffalo when they had the old hsbc arena i used to call it holy shit buffalo's cold <laughs> Um, and they move the game, too, because uh, there'll be no repeat oh. of
1: McCoy. Remember uh, LaShawn McCoy when it was all the snow oh, yeah. and uh, he rushed for 217 yards? That won't be happening this weekend. Frank, be well. Have a good
2: one. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarvali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com
1: and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by
2: DoorDash.
0: but there's more, you gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first and you're gonna wanna be careful cause that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight